Hey friends, welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain. Good to have you with me again on episode 147 of our little podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming those everyday challenges that we face in life. So glad you're with me. If you want to know more about me, check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. And there you can email me and there are many other resources available there. You know, I don't know that I've ever talked about why we call this podcast Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives. Mainly we do it because (laughs) I feel like just an ordinary Joe wanting to make a difference in people's lives and wanting to give good, healthy, reproductive leadership to that cause of adding value to other people's lives. And uh, if you and I are the same, we're just sort of ordinary folks working nine to five jobs, raising families, having friendships, investing in hobbies. But we want to be life-giving, healthy, (laughs) hopeful, joyful, you know, growing leaders that know how to reproduce other leaders. And so this podcast, that's where the extraordinary really kicks in, is that we're really adding value to other people's lives. So that's just a little plug about why we call this Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives, because I think that's possible, that ordinary people can make a, an extraordinary difference in the lives of other people. So this is, like I said, episode 147. It's an honor to have you with me. If you're a new listener, thank you. Welcome. Take some time to browse this, browse wherever it is you're listening to podcasts, and uh, would love for you to share this with others and leave a review wherever you may be listening. The reviews help us gain more traffic, and I would really, really appreciate that. Hey, today I want to talk to you about the subject of leadership and a life of solitude. Leadership and a life of solitude. So let's jump into that topic today. I want to tell you you a little bit about me and my background to help you understand why I believe this is a great topic for us. I I have an older brother and sister, so I'm the youngest of three. The age gap between me and my older two siblings is enough that in many ways I was raised like an only child. My mom and dad were divorced when I was young and my mom remarried, so I was raised in a blended family. I did have wonderful stepbrothers, stepsisters uh, live with us at times. We all lived together in the same household. So in that sense, there was you know other siblings in the house. But when it came to biological Mom and and my biological brother and sister, in many ways, I was raised like an only child. What that did for me in my upbringing is it fostered a mindset that if I want something done in my life, if I need something done, want to accomplish something, I need to do it. And so it fostered this independent, um, either isolation or solitude mentality and paradigm about life. And that has really drifted and made its way into my leadership. And so when I talk about leadership and a life of solitude, I want to talk about isolation and I want to talk about solitude today. And I want to I want to sort of bring to the surface why these are not the same thing. Isolation is a killer. It is not healthy and it is not good. And I really relate to isolation by the way I interpreted and the decisions I made through my upbringing, that I was more of an isolated person and an isolated leader 
than I was a leader who knew how to practice solitude. Isolation is a killer, but solitude is a great helper. It is a wonderful, wonderful um, place where a leader can sort of live and and move and, and develop and grow. So I want to share with you today, one, what are some differences between solitude and isolation? Then I want to share with you four reasons why I believe leaders can isolate versus solitude. And then I want to share with you a few tips on how to transition from an isolation mentality or an isolation practice and habit into the habit of solitude, which is a much healthier position for the leader. If you listen to the episode before this, episode 146, I shared pretty emphatically in that podcast about how leadership requires people, (laughs) the leader himself, and then followers. Leadership is ultimately about people. A leader's greatest asset is not your knowledge, your training, your charisma, your gifting, your talent, your persuasive ability, your delegation ability, organizational ability, your administrative ability, your public speaking ability. Our greatest asset as leaders are the people that we have the privilege to serve and the people who choose to lead with us, to serve with us. And isolation is fundamentally opposed to that because isolation is a lot about yourself. So let me share with you some differences between isolation and solitude. Isolation uh, is not a personality trait. And for the introverts that may be listening, (laughs) isolation, that's not a trait of the introverted personality, nor is solitude the trait of an extroverted personality. Isolation has little to do with your personality. Isolation has more to do with how you're perceiving the world. How are you responding to the world from your upbringing and your your family of origin to just the kind of things that have happened in your life. Isolation is often described as lonely and loneliness. Solitude is being alone, but it's not described as lonely. I may be by myself, but I don't feel alone, and I'm not experiencing loneliness. Isolation does experience loneliness. Psychology Today says that From the outside, solitude and loneliness look a lot alike. Isolation produces loneliness, which is a negative state. But solitude produces engagement with oneself and or a divine being. And that is a positive state. Isolation has a tendency to be very lonely. Isolation... um, its purpose is itself. I mean, you're so focused on yourself, you're not really focused on anyone else. Isolation has a tendency to have a longer shelf life. It's a season that can last longer than solitude. Solitude is a time where you're by yourself, but you come out of that with a sense of purpose, clarity, creativity. You've had some aha moments. You've been able to refresh and sort of recharge the soul, the mind, and the body, and the spirit. And so you're coming out of that really ready to engage the world around you to bring awesome leadership. (laughs) Isolation, you don't come out of that ready to engage the world. 
You come out of that wanting to protect from the world because the world is a threat. The world is dangerous. So isolation can have a long shelf life where solitude will have a shorter shelf life. That's my experience. Isolation has a tendency to be aimless. There's no deeper sense of purpose or meaning to a season to a time of isolation where solitude can have real purpose attached to it. Isolation is more of a symptom of something that may be going on in your life, where solitude is more of a proactive response. Solitude is not a symptom. It's a cause. I'm initiating something on purpose to create, to connect. Or isolation is something more of a symptom of a deeper issue. Isolation depletes the mind and body where solitude can really replenish, refresh, and bring flourishing to the mind and to the body. When we think about isolation and solitude, friends, solitude requires, let me give you an example, reading, creativity, um, deep thinking, experiencing beauty, for example, can happen in solitude. That doesn't happen as much in isolation because solitude requires us to be present and aware, again, of a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning of of, of the external environment as well as the internal environment. Isolation has a difficult time being present with the external environment because it is so inward focused. It's a deep, oftentimes unhealthy sense of introspection. Isolation can feel small, it can feel suffocating, it can often feel like it's draining your battery, where solitude can feel like things are ready to grow, that the walls are not coming in, the walls are actually going outward, and I'm creating room for growth. There's a feeling of freedom or creativity or connection. So there's a, there's a really big difference between solitude and between isolation, these two words. We might confuse them and often use them in synonymous ways. But I want to encourage you today that to be a healthy, hopeful, life-giving leader that's reproductive, you need to make sure that you're not living in isolation. Practice solitude. That's very helpful. But don't mistake solitude for isolation because those are very different. Isolation is a killer, but solitude is a great helper. So let me share with you four reasons, and these really just come out of personal experience. Um, I don't have any sort of science or articles or research to back these up, but I believe you're going to, if you think about your own times when you really want to isolate and just disconnect from everything around you in a sort of self-protective way, it may be a depressive state, maybe an anxious state, maybe even some kind of sad state, I think you'll find these reasons to be, to be true. They'll resonate with you. Friends, reason number one on why I think we have a tendency to isolate is because we're just emotionally empty. The tank, the emotional battery, the emotional tank is empty and it needs to be charged. I know I can't be present in solitude with what's going on around me or with the deeper purposes of of divinity happening within me 
what the Lord is doing in me, what Jesus is doing in me, what whatever it is that may be happening inside of you. You simply can't be present with it because your emotional battery is on empty. It's it's the tank is empty and there's just no capacity. And so we isolate because it doesn't require anything of us to be present. We can just disconnect and sever, and that's not healthy. The second reason we can isolate is fear. We're afraid of being known. We're afraid of being exposed. Isolation doesn't mean that you're all by yourself. You can be in a room and full of people and feel incredibly lonely. That's isolation. You may indeed be in a log cabin at an Airbnb by yourself feeling deep realities of loneliness. That's also isolation. Isolation isn't just a singular word. It's something that we feel singularly even if we're in a plural environment. It's a condition of the heart. It's a condition of the mind. It's a condition and a position, a state, if you will, of our soul. And oftentimes, fear drives us into isolation because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being known. We're afraid of being exposed. These are reasons sometimes that I isolate, that I, what I believe about me is different than what other people believe about me. And because my belief doesn't line up with their positive belief, I isolate. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to really be known. And the idea is I don't want the version that I see of me to be known when in reality there's another version of me that people are experiencing. So how do I bring my true self, the most authentic, healthiest version of me? I, I think that's a pretty amazing lance, and I don't want that lance in isolation. I think he's worthy to be known, he's worthy to be loved, and he has something to add to the world. But fear can often create an incredible practice of isolation. The third reason we isolate trauma or wounds. We just don't want to be triggered anymore. We don't want to be hurt anymore. We've got undealt with spiritual wounds, relational wounds, employment wounds, financial wounds. We've just got wounds and they're open and they're bleeding and they're sore and they're hurtful. And rather than practicing solitude where I have to be present and connect, be courageous and be creative and be calming and and and, and be all of these things, be compassionate. Rather than be those things, I want to isolate and I want to protect my wounds. The problem is you need others for healing to happen in those wounds. We need others for healing. Be selective. Be wise. But just be aware that trauma and wounds could be a reason why you and I isolate. Reason number four. <laughs> I was a little surprised when I wrote this or doubt, but man, does it feel true. Convenience. It's just sometimes more convenient to isolate. It doesn't require as much of me to isolate. When I talked about the emotional battery being low, when I feel like my emotional battery only has 4 or 5%, this is just more convenient to isolate. <laughs> it's just a natural thing to do. And sometimes I think we isolate out of convenience because solitude requires an intentionality, a sense of purposefulness, a sense of being present with what's going on inside of you and what's happening around you. So what other reasons can you think of that might motivate you not to practice solitude, but to practice isolation? And what is it you really need? Because isolation isn't going to provide what you need. These reasons may motivate you to isolation, but isolation is not going to provide what you need as a leader, what you need as a person. 
So if you can identify what's motivating my isolation, then maybe I can identify what I really need. And rather than choosing isolation, I choose something else. Okay, let me run through a few reasons why or how we can transition from isolation lifestyle, isolation mentality to a solitude lifestyle to a solitude mentality. Number one, plan times of solitude. Be intentional and look at your calendar. I have found that when I plan times of solitude and continue to bring that refreshing to my soul, we talked about how a solitude can create room for growth and freedom and creativity and connection, that when I do that on purpose, I have less tendency to isolate because I'm keeping the battery charged. I'm keeping myself connected. I'm being creative. I'm producing. I'm resting in God. I'm experiencing His love. I'm experiencing the love of my friends and my family. I'm experiencing beauty and creativity. That keeps me charged, which by default pushes seasons of isolation to be much, much more. They're much further apart, and the shelf life of them is much, much shorter. The second way I believe you can transition from a life of isolation to a life of solitude is to share with others about your time of solitude. What's actually happening when you spend time alone on purpose in order to refresh and recharge and come out of that ready to engage whatever it is that's going on around you. When you share that with others, by default, you're violating all the rules of isolation because isolation just wants to disconnect from everything and everybody. Solitude is not disconnection. It's just spending time alone for the purpose of refreshing, and you want to share that with others. The third way you can transition from isolation to solitude is to utilize solitude for reflection, growth, and creativity. So you've planned this time away. Use it on purpose. What do you want to read? What do you want to reflect? What do you want to journal? What do you want to pray? What what hike do you want to take? What maybe museum do you want to experience? What hobby or activity do you want to engage in? What quiet place do you want to visit that really appeals to the sense of beauty and smell and texture and all of that in your life? Utilize solitude intentionally and on purpose. Way number four is resist making isolation and solitude synonymous. So we touched on that a minute ago. These are very different ideas. Science is telling us these are very different ideas. Resist the urge to make them the same. Because what you'll do is you'll spend time in isolation, but you'll call it solitude. And they're really not the same thing. Number five, when lonely, reach out to another for a coffee, go shopping, do something fun, have a phone chat. Uh, have them over for dinner, go to a movie, share with another when you're actually feeling times of isolation and let other people more quickly pull you out of that season and back into a season of connection and vibrancy and really enjoying the relationships around you. Here's reason number six or way number six to transition from isolation to solitude. Maybe consider professional support if you need help. Just consider reaching out to a professional counselor or therapist or someone like that that can help you. Leadership in a life of solitude, it's really important, friends. And I hope today really helps you make a difference between those two and how you can engage a life of solitude. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you. Episode 147. Don't forget to reach out and let me know what I can do to help you. Hey, friends, stay helpful, stay hopeful, and stay healthy. And I'll talk to you soon.